Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. You're listening to the best of the Tom Bernard Show.com brought to you by Bradshaw and Bryant. Who, me? <laughs> Well, I'd like to know if I was married to a whore piece of shit. (laughs) You can just look at her license. My special stripe. That was amazing. Oh my gosh. Coming by sweet corn, potatoes, onions, pickles. It's not how you use them, sir. (laughs) It's really sickening that anybody would be into radio this much. It is ungoddamn believable. I think I'm going to hell. I just realized it. Thank you, Tom. You're just delicious. <laughs> We're here today with Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean Bryant. Michael, what's going on? You know, we keep getting phone calls, and it's interesting because people try to handle a lot of stuff on their own, or they try to talk to the adjusters, or they wait, um, and they think maybe it'll cost them money if they talk to me. And, you know, we tell them it's free to talk to us. Um, I go through what their rights are, and you know we try to help them as best we can. We don't sign everyone up. Sometimes I just give them advice, and they go from there, and then call us back later. But the key is, is that they don't know all their rights, or they're not told all their rights by the adjuster. And that's one of the things we try to make sure that they get, you know, they get that understanding, uh, so they can help themselves and their families the best they can. And the number is is eight hundred seven seven zero seven zero zero eight. Or at the website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com. Brad, Sean, Bryant, Michael Bryant, thank you. Seeking justice for the injured. Brad, Sean, Bryant. everybody to another episode of the best of the tom bernard podcast brought to you as always by bradshaw and bryant kicking off the show this week we go old school hollywood with ruta lee next on the best of Ruta Lee is with us. Ruta, how are you? Well, I'm fine, except who's got what disease that I should know about? We think that Huey Lewis might might not be feeling too well. Although James Hetfield, the uh, the leader of Metallica, he's back in treatment, so I'm sure you're upset by that. Well, I you know, I'm so aware of illnesses and things happening around us because my best friend in the world, my longest-term friend in the world, died yesterday very peacefully i must say after a a, a terrible struggle uh a cancer thing of course and isn't it a shame that we cannot pool all the information in this world that has been collected about cancer and how to dispose of it and how to live with it and around it Mm -hmm. and and um cure people Uh, i just i'm so 
distressed by the fact that so much wonderful information has been gleaned, and if we could just put it all into the same hopper, I think we'd come up with answers a lot more quickly. I think you're absolutely right, Ms. Lee. I think that one of the problems that we have, that it's money, 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 money. It's all people are interested in is money, and unless they can make money from it, they don't want to do it. Well, you know, I understand that it takes a great deal of money to discover all kinds of cures for all kinds of things. The research is terribly expensive. Right. And I assume that the pharmaceutical companies want some of that money back that they've expended. But somehow it seems to me that there should be a reasonable middle ground somewhere where we poor folks who have the problems don't have to give up our life savings in order to try and survive. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what's happening to so many people now. Lord, I sound like I should have a soapbox in the middle of town square. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think what you're saying, what you're saying is right on the money. You're absolutely right. We, I hope we do get back to a point someday uh, if we've ever been there, but at least approached it at times that, that we actually care about one another or care about helping one another right now it just seems everybody's at everybody else's throats it's disgusting well i will take exception to that good in that very honestly and i'm not patting myself on the back i think i was obliged uh by a power greater than myself (laughs) um that i needed to give back some of the blessings that had come my way. Wonderful. And I'm a great believer in volunteerism. I don't care what size or shape it takes. There are so many ways that all of us can do for somebody who can't do for himself. And uh, I've spent, I'd say, most of my adult years, and somehow a little bit maybe pre-totally adult years, um, in dealing with um, an issue that was for the longest time, Tom, hidden in the closet. Nobody ever wanted to talk about mental illness. Nobody right. wanted to talk about mental disease. And uh, it, was, it was the closet disease. And along came a group of young Hollywood types who got tired of being called hard-drinking, pot-smoking, sex-minded idiots who had nothing to contribute to the world. And they said, you know, we get together to to have drinks and sit around the piano and play and all of that. Why don't we sell tickets to these things and make a few dollars for a worthwhile charity? Mm -hmm. Hence the Thalians, T-H-A-L-I-A-N-S, was born. And they shopped around and they sent out Jane Mansfield and uh, Mamie Van Doren. Talk about girls with big blessings. Wow. (laughs) Really big blessings, Ruta? (laughs) <laughs> okay. And they came back to the next meeting and said, well, all the good diseases have been taken. <laughs> <laughs> but they had found, God love them, a doctor um, at a small hospital at the time that was dealing with emotionally disturbed children, which he described much like apples, rotten apples, injured apples in a barrel that can contaminate the whole barrel or the community in the case of of mental illness, if they weren't repaired and taken care of. And so that's how that was born. And uh, it was children first. And then we built our clinic, which was the first building at the Big Cedar sinai Complex here in Los Angeles Mm -hmm. that started the whole thing. And 18 years later, 
our clinic started taking in patients from pediatric to geriatric and took care of them. And then, 55 or 60 years later, we switched our focus and said, you know, those beautiful young people, the men and women that are called on to be in our military and who are willing to put their lives on the line every day, get injured, and they're not taken care of when they get home. They fall through the cracks. So we joined up with UCLA's Operation Mend. Operation Mend heals the broken bodies, the missing arms, legs, blown off faces, whatever, burn injuries. They heal the the that side, the body, and we Thalians are trying very hard to heal the broken mind, spirit, and therefore heart of our returning veterans. So I've just given you my big pitch, and Tom, I'm hoping that your wonderful listeners, if they have a penny to spare, will look up the Thalians, T-H-A-L-I-A-N-S dot org on the computer and get our full story and see what Debbie Reynolds, my dearest friend and sister in charity, have been doing for the last 70 years of our lives. Mm -hmm. I think it's a wonderful thing. I, I, uh, that's really, really nice. Instead of just sitting around and going, oh, you know, we've had this wonderful life, we continue to have this wonderful life, you actually reach out and help people. I'm very, very happy you do that. I wish everybody did who who had a voice, that, whether it's, you know, some local radio or television or national television or movie stars or whatever it is. I do believe people, public figures, kind of owe it to everyone else to kind of share what they have. Uh, and I'm not talking about, you know... Uh, you need to give us your money. That's not what I mean necessarily. Uh, you want to contribute, that's great. But give of your time and work as hard as you can to help people who need help. I think it's a wonderful thing. You know, Tom, there are so many ways that you can make life just a little bit nicer. And I swear, dear friends, that sometimes just a smile to somebody on an elevator or a comment on how cute they look or are they having a good day? Or, or uh, you know, helping someone across the street or holding a door open for someone. It's so easy to do a little act of politeness, of caring, and it can make a day for somebody. You know, maybe it's a bad day. Sometimes you say, oh, God, what a grumbly person. Mm -hmm. Maybe they're having the most rotten day, and all it would take is a little smile or a little encouragement in some way from you. And that's that's better than money, actually. No, I do agree with that. And, what, yeah, you do have to be careful, though, because I, I was just talking about this last week on this show, that I held a door for, for a woman, and she started yelling at me about, oh, you have to hold a door for me because I'm a woman? And I said, no, I hold the door for everyone. <laughs> I hold the door for everybody, men, women, kids, older people. I, I just, how I was raised. But she, oh, actually, she got mad at me oh, about it. Oh, that poor lady. She was really having a bad day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, apparently that's true. Apparently that's very, very true. But Her husband probably told her her behind was fat. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, you have a big, you know, speaking of behinds be, you know, or being fat or not, uh, uh, 2020, you've got a book coming out called... <laughs> yes, and, and I'd say it without any apologies. Consider your ass 
kissed. <laughs> okay. Now, and, and why do I say that? It's because I think it is the ultimate compliment. And I say, consider your ass kissed in total, total gratitude to anybody who has ever flipped the station to catch me or bought a ticket for a show or gone to a movie to see me or sent up a prayer on my behalf or whatever the case may be, I am so very grateful because, you know, Tom, I am happy to say that I don't think I've made fans. I think all through the years I've made friends. No, that's and a in very many nice. ways I'm exceedingly grateful to the the game and talk shows, whether it was Johnny Carson's show or whether it was Password or Stump the Stars or uh, PDQ or, or Hollywood Squares. Those shows didn't introduce me as a character that I was playing. Those shows introduced me as the character I am. And people got to know Ruta Lee as a human being, and it was such fun for me because I'd, if I was playing whatever part of the country I was in in a show of some kind, people would come backstage. And in most cases, it wasn't, oh, Miss Lee, it's such a pleasure to meet you. It would be, hey, Ruta Lee, we're going to have people over for dinner Sunday. You want to come? <laughs> okay. You know how neat that is? Isn't yeah, that fabulous? Yeah, it is. And that's the feeling that I got from so many people. And um, when, when I, uh, The Perils of Pauline was the adventure that I was having trying to get my grandmother out of Siberia and, and Lithuania back in the days of communism in, in, the, in Lithuania. Uh, so many people were pulling for me and sending up prayers for my grandmother and, and uh, made her feel so welcome when I was finally permitted by the Soviet authorities to bring her home to the United States uh, that I've, I've got to say that the, the, the power of love and of appreciation that one feels from an audience, and that's why I love radio and I love television, because you reach mm -hmm. so many people with one hello. And I've got to tell you that Alex Trebek, of course, who is one of my very best buddies, and, and I did two years of uh, high rollers with him on mm -hmm. NBC, um, said to me the other day when I was talking about how he was doing, and he's having a rough time now, he's back on chemo, but he said, I, I wouldn't be here except for the millions of prayers that have come my way and the millions of kind thoughts and the energy that is coming my way from so many viewers. Uh, and so all I keep saying is, I know there's a higher power up there, and boy, we better do right by that high power. That works for me. I, and I tell you, you were just talking about this earlier, and while, while there are a bunch of talk shows on now, it's kind of unfortunate for young actors and actresses out there now because the Johnny Carson Tonight Show was the show to go on. If you made it on that show, everybody knew who you were. And there's no show like that any longer. There are about 15 different ones, but they don't have anywhere near the audience that Tonight Show did. No, and, and I realized that, of course, when the Carson show came on, we didn't have 42,000 other stations to flip to. You know? <laughs> 42,000, yes. Yeah, and, and you know, you stop and think that... Uh, Boy, it was ABC, CBS, and NBC where Johnny was, and um, 
you you had a, a, a somewhat captive audience, but you know when when people met you that way, uh, either sitting in their their living room or their den or or maybe through their toes in their bedroom at night, <laughs> you you became a personal I think friend, and uh, I I really like that and I miss. I miss that kind of thing that's going on now. It's just not quite the same. I understand. Now, when your book comes out, we have to have you back on the show. Consider your ass kissed. Needs to be now, covered in Now, you heard that, full. folks. He asked me back. You promised me now. I will promise you. I would love to have you come. Matter of fact, you can bring Debbie Reynolds with you, and we'll just talk about how when I was a little boy, I got to look at both of you and go, I really like women. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, thank God. <laughs> well, thank God. Ruta, thanks so much. What an honor to have you on the show. I am honored that you share your wonderful audience with me, and all I can do is say thank you for caring, thank you for sharing. God bless you, and God bless America. God bless you, young lady. Thank you so much. Ruta Lee, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, what a... I see now there it is. Somebody that had a wonderful life, great career, and she's grateful and wants to help people. Mm -hmm. I showed Tevin her picture. She was, uh, probably still is, but she cut a fine figure as a woman. She's a beautiful woman. She she aged well. (laughs) Best of the Tom Bernard Podcast. Ruta Lee on the best of. Coming up next, we had Miles Davis's nephew on the show. Really, he is. Vince Wilburn Jr. Next on the best of. Not too long ago. I went to a theater. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. Is Vince ready to go? Vince Wilburn Jr. Vince, how are you, Vince? How you doing? Marvelously well. Why do you get to be related to the cool and I don't? <laughs> well, we're related. <laughs> we're related. Good, you and I are related. Uh, good. Miles Davis was my uncle, too. I like how we're talking. Now we're talking. The documentary, the documentary on the life of the jazz legend garnered much critical praise following its world premiere at Sundance in January 2019 and will be broadcast on PBS in 2020 following its theatrical run. Miles Davis's nephew, Vince Wilburn Jr., he is a musician who toured with Miles and many other artists. He also oversees the Miles Davis Estate and or Peabody and Emmy Award winning filmmaker Stanley Nelson. Uh, I tell you, this is unbelievable, Vince. It's so great to talk to you. As a little boy, I, I saw Miles Davis and I thought, that's how you're cool. It's not running your mouth. It's not acting like a tough guy. To show how cool you are, you got to be Miles Davis, don't you think, Vince? I mean, he was like, he's the only man I know who changed clothes six times a day. So how cool is that? <laughs> I mean, you would look up and he, he would actually have on another outfit. He said, I'm just rehearsing my clothes. I'm rehearsing my clothes. <laughs> so, rehearsing. So, you know, that that's the ultimate cool, you know. I think so, it is. Uh, I mean, he would even paint, you know, he painted and he did sketches and he would paint. 
and like uh, all these designer clothes. You know, I, one time I saw him in overalls, denim overalls. What? But he was the ultimate of cool. He was the ultimate of cool, and even as a little boy, I knew that just watching him because he was so reserved. And not in a like a like a stuck up kind of way. It was just like, yeah, you know, I'm fine. You're fine. Don't worry about it. I always liked that about him. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. very very cool. But his, 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 my grandfather was a dentist, you know, who drove a Jaguar when 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 African Americans couldn't drink out of a water fountain, you know. So, you know, I mean, he is my, and he had a, a farm, you know, three hundred acres of, of uh, raised cattle and, and hogs. So. You know, Uncle Miles came from from um, a very affluent background. And how did how was that achieved? I mean, just was it hard work? How did this come about? Because you're one thing, I Vince that I that I get bothered by because uh, you know I, I was born in 1951. I really don't like the way people these days like to compare life now with what life was like back then because it's not even close. Uh, I also don't like the fact that people somehow think they can, by judging other people or, or shifting blame onto, onto one certain group of people, that they're ever going to make up for the horrors of, of slavery and then treating people like dirt right up through the late 60s, I mean, that I can remember, and some people still to this day. I really wish people would stop, stop thinking they can make up for that because they can never make up for what happened. Uh, no well, question. You know, funny you say that. He never forgave the, the. You know, he always brought up the cops that, that had, he had the altercation in front of uh, the club in Birdland in front of right. in the fifties. So that never. He never. He always brought that up. You know, from time to time, and you know those those are emotional scars that never leave you. you know? Right. But no. you know, dealing with all of that, he still came out, and it was always about the music and and. That that outweighed the the racism, the bigotry that that, that you know that, that came up during his career. Yeah. He, I mean, he talked about it, but it, it was more about the music and, and moving the music ahead. But you know, there were times he would bring it up. Yeah, I just I just really wish people who were you know weren't even around back then would stop making judgments on well that happened then and now today's is just as bad. No, it's not just as bad. Those people were tortured. Hey, hey that's a whole that's a whole other topic, huh? Yeah, it is. Okay, we'll get off it, Vincent. No, you're absolutely right. But I know it just I love right. the fact that you brought up you know that that his father drove a Jaguar. He owned a farm. He owned all these different things. This is a man who obviously had to work his butt off, right? Vince. Yeah, but you know, he didn't want to, he didn't, when he, my mom received his diploma, he left and, 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 and wrote it, you know, went to New York from East St. Louis the next day after he graduated. My mom accepted his diploma, I think. My mom told me that. But his goal was to go to Juilliard on a scholarship. And then when he arrived in Juilliard, he, he you know, he wanted to seek out Charlie Parker. Oh yeah, bird. So the rest yep. was history, you know. God, that is a wonderful story. I should mention, by the way, but yeah. did, now did you grow up in East St. Louis? I grew up in Chicago, Illinois. Oh, Chicago. Oh, okay, all right, yeah, down yeah. the block yeah. a little bit, not that far actually, but oh yeah, one it's of my three hundred fa- miles from St. Louis. Yes, yeah, sir. One of my favorite things about when I was working at Capitol Records back in the late seventies and early eighties, and I would call on WESL in East St. Louis. And That's I will, right. I will. Oh, so you Capitol Record, Larkin Arnold. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know these people? Yeah, Ray Tisdale. Oh, yeah, God. 
Honest See, to I know God. the old school guys. You know, the, the, the OGs, I call them. <laughs> you and me With both, love, Vince. <laughs> you and me both, Vince. That's terrific. Did you have, yeah. you have you ever been in the Capitol Records building in that in the recording of studio? Of course, I did a mastering session for oh, um, the rubber band session that's out now on Rhino. That's not a, that's not a plug. That on Rhino that we we mastered it at Capitol. And I have great Al Schmidt. All the guys are there, engineers. I yeah. recorded there. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Vince, I tell you, you walk into that studio and you see, you know, obviously it comes to mind Frank Sinatra recorded there and all those yeah, people. Yeah, well, I was listening to Frank Sinatra for phrasing. A lot uh, of people didn't know that. Oh, honestly. That King Cole, you know. You know, I'm glad you brought that up, Vince, because Frank Sinatra, I believe, is the one who invented that breathing style where he would actually breathe in the middle of sentences, not at the end of them. And his mm-hmm, phrasing was mm-hmm. immaculate because of it. Yeah. God, great musician. Yes. A lot of people, he's a great musician. He was indeed. This is very exciting talking to you about this because this is, I mean, th- this yeah, change. We can talk for- <laughs> yeah, you and I we can, can talk forever we, about this. We stuff. can have like Ken Burns segment. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. We'll get Ken Burns on. We'll do a 12-part series for PBS. Right? We'll call it Vince and Tom Talk Music. It'll be fantastic. It'll be wonderful. Right, let's do it. But, you know, Vince, I was very lucky to be to have gotten that job. I was 25 years old when I got the job, and I got to be around all these people that you were talking about uh, and, and you know, working. Oh, one thing I should mention about WESL over there, the, the program director at the time, you say, hey, Tommy, uh, when you come down here, I'll just meet you over in St. Louis. I'll meet you over at Tony's. And I said, okay, but I can just come. And he goes, no, 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 that's, that's not necessary. After a few months, I realized he didn't want me coming over there because he thought it was too dangerous for a white guy. <laughs> <laughs> we were just in St. Louis, and we were talking about Jim Gates and all those guys yeah. back in the day. Yep. And, you know, um, it's amazing. I spent a lot of time in St. Louis and East St. Louis. We, we still have the childhood home in East St. Louis. Oh, you 17th do? in Kansas. And we were just there, and then they gave the key to the city to Stanley, the director. God, that is wonderful. Vince, do people know you talk about Chicago, you talk about St. Louis, that entire, you know, middle America, the great music that came out of middle America. Do do people know all that? I think they do. I think, you know, because Uncle Miles is the greatest bass players from the Midwest. I mean, you have Detroit, you know, Mm -hmm. you have Motown, you have Chicago with chess records. And you have St. Louis and then Mississippi, then New Orleans. You know, it's it's, it's, it's um, melting pot. Then Minnesota, with Minneapolis with Prince. Prince did okay. Yeah, Prince definitely did okay. Ohio with the Ohio <clears throat> players and mm-hmm. you know all that. You know. So. Hey, I'm, I'm a, I go all the way back to Stax Volt, man. That's a long time ago now. Man, I go back and I used to go in the basement of Pete Cozy and fill up church and talk and listen to them talk about chess records. And Maurice White played drums on Fontella Bass. Oh, God. He would start Earth, Wind, and Fire. He played on Rescue Me. A lot of people don't know that. I will tell you what, man. You know, I'm a historian. You know, I, just, I, I used to just bug people and listen to conversations, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. When, they, when Maurice said he was going to start this group called Earth, Wind, and Fire, they thought he was crazy. Oh, God, what a group. Uh, I, right. I will tell you, Fontella Bass could sing just a little bit. Oh, yeah. St. Louis. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. She was yeah. a great singer. Dave Sanborn, St. Louis. You yeah. Know? God, what a great conversation. Yeah. Michael McDonald, St. Louis. Yep, yep, absolutely. Yeah. Now, so Vince, uh, Miles Davis' nephew, Vince Wilburn, we're talking to here. He's a musician who toured with Miles, many other artists, also oversees the Miles Davis estate, as we talked about. Uh, yeah, I, I just, 
Do you do you look back and go, I'm Vince Wilburn Jr. I'm one of the luckiest people on earth to have grown up in the you know in the shadow of all these things, and made something of myself doing it. That's that's got to be very satisfying, isn't it? It's satisfying. It's a blessing, and, yeah. and I never take it for granted. You know, I'm still learning. I'm still trying to think of things Uncle Mal shared. He's been gone since September 28, 1991, and I think really? I reflect on things that he's told me. You know. And I'm like, whoa, wow, it's like an epiphany. It's like, oh, shit. He did say that, you but, know. Yeah, but what's great about so. events is you have this great appreciation for it. Some people would just accept it and go, oh, well, they, that's just how it is. But you actually appreciate it, which is, you know, it shows, I don't know if it's like, you know, a family trait to be grateful, but it really worked for you. Yeah, well, my parents raised me well. Yep. Yeah. Well, there you go. I mean, that's exactly what I'm, I'm talking what about. Appreciate what you have. It, and, and it sounds yeah. to me, it sounds as if you haven't peaked yet. You're still striving. You're still trying to no, learn. I'm still learning. And was still Miles learning. Davis still that way too? Release. Was Miles still that recording. way? I have a studio at my home. Still recording. You know. Yeah. I, it's a passion. Yeah. Was Miles that way? Trying to learn. Trying to reach. Trying to uh, mature all his life. He never rested. Never rested on us. I mean, you talk about a man who had homes in New York, homes in, in Malibu. Ferraris, you know, he was well off, but it was always about the music that, that drove him, and that's what I, 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 I you know, respect and, I, and I, I picked up on. You know, I don't have Ferraris and homes in LA and New York, but I'm okay. You know, I'm doing okay. <laughs> yeah, you and everybody, uh, you and me both, we don't have those, but we're okay. It, 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 it's working out just fine. Yeah, I mean that's and that's how you should look at life. Is it? Uh, and, and you are, yeah. by the way, one hundred percent correct. Your parents raised you properly, and I really wish we'd get a focus back on that in America too today. Uh, some better parents. Well, we come back and talk anytime. You need to come back you and know? talk to me. Because all the a time. lot of my musicians' friends, they didn't have the parents I had. My dad used to drive me to the gig, where I set my drums up and then and break my drums down and drive me home because I was always played with musicians older than me. You know. So a lot of kids didn't have that 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 support, you know. So I got to ask you: you worked with Don Cheadle, right? Yes. How was that? He what a talent that guy amazing. is. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Uh, we were receiving the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame award in 2006 at the Waldorf Astoria. So backstage, the press said, "Who do you see playing your uncle in a movie? If there was ever to be a movie?" I said, "Don Cheadle," right away. Yeah. And so it went across the wire. So by the time we flew from New York to L.A. Don's people and our people were talking. I said, Don, I'm sorry I put you in a spot like that, but he said, hey, man, let's go. And that's how I met Don Cheadle. <laughs> now, who played you in the movie? <laughs> Some, so, something just told me Don Cheadle because I saw him in a movie called The Devil in a Blue Dress. Oh, yeah. Denzel. Yep. yep. And I said, that's Uncle Miles. I love it. Vince Wilburn Jr., ladies and gentlemen, Miles Davis, Birth of the Cool, the new documentary. And the documentary is available everywhere, sir? It's, it's out on all the theaters. It's, it hasn't gone to Netflix or or, 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 um, or t- television yet. Or yeah, that's cable, after one. But, but yeah. it's, it's in the theaters. I'm going to Chicago tomorrow to um, premiere it there Friday, my hometown. Oh, I just wonderful. got back from Dallas. We've been to South Africa. We've been to Sundance. We've been all over the world. You're going to go, go to London after Chicago. You like Italian food? Love it. All right, you're going to go to Gene and Giorgetti for me and have a little plate? That would be good. <laughs> I'll do, I'll do a light. Franklin Street, baby. Light run. Franklin. <laughs> I, I love it. Vince, thanks so much for your time. Great talking to you, sir. Please do come back. I'd love to talk hey, to you man, more. Keep in touch. You're a good man. Thank Let's you, Vince. Call me anytime. Please check out the film, okay? We'll get it done, sir. Absolutely. Thanks, Vince. Hashtag Miles Davis movie. Miles Davis movie. I got it.
Most definitely. Okay. And my band is Miles Electric Band. You got to check out that. We got some new music coming out. MilesElectricBand.com. We'll get it. Oh, good. I'm glad you. Yeah. Well, you should come back and talk about that. I'd love to talk to you about that. Let's do it. I'm in the studio with Lenny White now. We're co-producing the new record. We'll and get we it. And we have done. we have a song on the on the soundtrack called "Hail to the Real Chief" with with Miles and Marcus Miller that we produced. That is a wonderful. And by the way, I should so we'll mention that the movie also will be a broadcast on PBS in 2020, following its theatrical run. So right around the corner, just a few months from now, it'll be on PBS. Thank you, Mr. Wilburn. I appreciate it, sir. Great man, great talking to you. Nice talking to you. Best of the Tom Bernard podcast. Vince Wilburn Jr. Coming up next, closing out the show. We're opening up the vault. We're going all the way back to May 8th, 2013, episode 190, with the prettiest man in comedy, Fancy Ray McLooney. Next on the best of. Our special guest on today's Tom Bernard podcast, Fancy Ray There he is. Not just Ray. Not just Ray. Fancy. Fan- that is my legal name, Fancy <laughs> Ray McCloney. When did you officially change it? I changed my name. I was always fancy. I think when I born was born, fancy. they, they, they said that two names popped into mind that fit me. One was Las Vegas, and the other was Fancy Ray. Uh-huh. But what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, and they knew the world needed some Fancy Ray. <laughs> They did indeed. I've known that for a long time. <laughs> you knew it for a long time. Alex. Yep, I've so you been met saying it for years. My wife Catherine, our daughter Alex. Oh my lord! Oh, and this is a family thing going it's on a here. Family thing. Yeah. Our family. son Andy. It's a family. <clears throat> oh man, I'm here. Finally, with my main man, Tom Bernard, and of course, I've been a fan, as everyone in the Twin Cities has been for years, and I'm on the podcast, and let me tell you, something special about to happen here tonight. I'm the first, the last, He's the standing. best, and the most. I'm the heartbeat of the Twin Cities, and my beauty is coast to coast. Mules have kicked me, but they didn't tend my heart. Arrested them just call up and die. I can make a superstitious man walk under the ladder and fry your ass like pancake batter. What a, what a timid little rascal you are. I can't shake and bake, but I can make love to a 300-pound woman make a stomach ache. I will mash up her tails and French her fries. When I get through, so I never, never lie. See, I can make love for six nights on the seventh day. Why, you may go Ray who, but the women go hooray. Ray <laughs> <laughs> who, and the women say who. Lord have mercy. Oh, man. Fancy Ray oh, man. in the house. In the house. I'm here, and I'm so happy to be here. But, you know, this is really fantastic. And it's wonderful that this being Mother's Day week, right. it's, which yeah. is a week of love and appreciation, and you got your beautiful wife here, uh-huh. and it's a family thing going on. And son, I mean, this is just really, really fantastic, and I'm really happy to be here. Well, Tom. it's great having you. Mm-hmm. It's great having you. I have so many friends. Well, did you get our phone call when Brian Miller, we called you last week? In fact, people mistake me for Brian Miller all the time. Uh. Yeah, I, you look a lot alike. Absolutely. He, you know, from Paducah, Kentucky. Yeah, exactly, man. And I'm from the Garden Brian. of Eden. Exactly, man. <laughs> what, what people should know is that, that, that every entertainer out there, 
that ever passes through Minnesota loves fancy rap. Yeah, they but, do. They all love you. What, what, it's a thing that comes that you got, Tom, is that, number one, is that you see that over-the-top energy and that love and that joy, and it touches people and it reaches them someplace on the cerebral mm-hmm. level, and it lifts you up. So when you see me, if it's on this radio thing, you're going to get a vibration of love, a vibration of excitement, a vibration of inspiration that's going to touch somebody and give someone that little spark. That's why I'm such an effective pitch man. It's because are. I have a thing that, that connects with people on the thing down here. And maybe not with this guy right here. <laughs> the lower I think Tony's sparked up like but, crazy over uh, there. Yeah, but, but, but there's a genuineness and there's a, a, a joy and that joy yeah. is infectious. Now I have to tell I have to tell Fancy Ray because he's looking at me now and Tony's behind him. As you were talking, <laughs> Tony, he, he went like this. Martin, you ready? I'm Tony now. Uh-huh. While you were talking, he was doing this. <laughs> oh, well, see, it's an energy field. It's too intimidating. See, that happens. See, I'm, I'm gonna tell you something that with people like Tony. This happens sometimes. Sometimes, like, like so, when someone asks me how I'm doing, Tom, what I always yes, say, they say, "How you doing, fancy?" I say two things. One is I'm on top of the world, or the other thing I say is sexy as hell. And a lot of men will like say, "Sexy as hell." Like, oh, sexy as hell. I'm not gay. I, I'm not gay. No. no, that's what got me. No, no, no. But, you are sexy. Uh, but but, but I, I, it's not a thing. Of of, of, of of just me expressing my own joy, my own exuberance, my own good. Fit. It's about me, right? Yes, it is. Another part of my brain looks at the guy and goes, "Huh, I wonder if I can get him to take his shirt off." <laughs> <laughs> Tony, I am the best man in comedy. And I'm happy to be here today. You are. There is no question that you are. And a, and a snappy ass dresser too. Uh, yeah, I'm just kind of mellow today. But you That's know, t- t- today was a business day for me. Today. I was knocking on doors and. Uh, what did you do today? Oh, today scouting for business. You know, I own an advertising agency. Mm-hmm. I'm not being this flamboyant oil the top thing. So I was out knocking on doors, and I went and visited my old friends at Honda Town, motorcycles, and the folks on Lake Street. And just uh, I'm out pitching businesses, man. And, and we're doing well. Yeah, we got new. Com- oh, do you know about the commercial stuff? I see you on the late night ads. Yeah. I got ads that run here in Minneapolis. I just got some new clients. They're in Phoenix, Arizona. I got some ads running in Florida, and things are going really, really well. I mean, and folks who they, they they've, they've heard my voice if they don't realize it. Or not. Right, right. Uh-huh. If you got bad credit, no credit. Even a bankruptcy, I could put you in a vehicle today. <laughs> Only $99 down. Uh, now, that's another one, man. Uh, another <laughs> there you go. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. I understand that. How is it that you and I never met in person? Well, I don't leave my house yeah, much. How so is that? Yeah, that, that? I did meet you actually many, many years ago. Just for, for about one second. Really? Where was that at? God, I was trying to think of where it was. Because you're everywhere. I'm everywhere. And it's funny the <laughs> fact that we Governor haven't Charlie? made that connection because of the fact that you have been around for so long, and especially on the morning show, and you have everyone on there, and you got my friends over there on you. And I've had folks that were interns of yours who were fans of mine, yeah, but we, you yeah. and I just never made the connection. And that's one reason I want to come in. And if I knew this is going to be a family thing, I would have brought flowers for all the ladies here, man. Oh. I'm talking, I'm just, I'm, I'm honored and flattered. But I don't know how we didn't make that connection, especially wow. you being the icon that you are, and Uh-oh. me being the humble mom. That I am. <laughs> Lord have Humble, mercy. It you know, it's kind of like cherries and and ice cream. They just kind of mixed it. Well, not cherries and ice cream. I'm hotter than that. <laughs> no, you're hotter than that. I'm hotter than that. It's like cherries and whatever goes with hot cherries. You see? Uh, can't think of anything. What goes with hot cherries? What goes with more hot pie. cherries. I know what goes yeah. with hot cherries. Chocolate and hot cherries. There oh, you go. there you go. And you know Dark something? Dark chocolate. I'm the of world's course. greatest chocolates. You are. I am. <laughs> and chocolate, ladies, is a powerful antioxidant. That's true. It's true. Yeah, it's so true. not only can Megan love me give you an orgasm, I can cut your risk of cancer by 50%. <laughs> it's heart healthy. Mm. Yeah, All the way around. Fancy way is heart healthy. Mm. Don't get around. Mm. Oh, heart healthy. <laughs> so no. I like the way you said it. Heart healthy. 
Healthy. Oh, let me heart. Healthy. Mm. I know. My, my, my. Woo. Okay, hands mind on me. the table there, now, sir. Lord have mercy. <laughs> That's when it gets dangerous. Trust me. I swear to God. But you know what? I can make, I'm not going to levitate the table right now. Because I can put my hands on the table and watch the whole table rise. Tom. What I do I, so I, put my, I put my hands right here and I think about me and then the table starts going up. You know, never mind. <laughs> no, no, no. no where, where were you born? Uh, I was born. Well, there's a couple of different stories. The oh, Garden of Eden. Okay. okay, what's the real one? The, the Garden of Eden. The Lord <laughs> the looked garden. at me and said, "This is good." They yeah. took a rib. I had my first barbecue. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was born in uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico. I was raised here in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Uh, went to West High School, Marshall oh, U, Central High School, and when I graduated, they did something unusual. Hmm. Now you know this. Are you from here, the cities? Yeah, I'm from North Minneapolis. No, really, my man. Come on, really? Yeah. How the hell we don't know each other, man? I don't know because. Because well, you're older I'm than I am. I'm a lot older than you, man. <laughs> but, but when I graduated, all three of those high schools closed down. That's right. They, 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 said, they said that we can't do no better than a fancy race. So they shut the damn shut doors. Them all right? down. Shut yeah. them all down. The, the, uh, so I'm, I'm from right here. And that's the thing that happens, especially in, in, in my community that I touch and reach in the black community, is the fact that. Uh, oh, you're per- black? I didn't know you were No, black. man. I'm, I'm chocolate. I'm chocolate. <laughs> oh, that's I'm right. chocolate with a black soul, man. Time doesn't okay. see people in uh-huh. terms of color. We don't. Yes. Huh? No? 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 I all know. All right on. My what man. I like, what I like is, and I keep telling people this over and over and over, I don't care what color you are what your religion is whatever if you're not an asshole you're not an asshole that's the way i look at things right, right? right. good people are good people and assholes are assholes i 100 percent agree with you that's man. the way i look at and, it and i think that the, the, the life and the love is bigger than that and that's why i teach a positive spirituality that's bigger than all the religions that's and that, not bigger no no, no i'm not i said it wrong i said it wrong. that's it's a truth that goes through all the major religions all mm-hmm. the major philosophies and that's what i believe that's what i preach that's what i talk and that's what i represent when i show up here you can see that vibration of love and that's the, that thing that comes through that says that there's something bigger than all of us and we're all part of that big thing and it's that one power that's inside of all of us, no matter what your race, color, religion. We're all part of this beautiful thing, and it's a thing of love. And it's like through it. all of us, man, we're connected. I wish people did see that they were, they were part, whether they want to see it as a small part or not, but that you're part of this wonderful thing, this world. But people don't see that. It, it intimidates them. It makes them feel really small. Instead of being part of a big thing, they compare. The, they look at the big thing crushing them because they're so small. Yeah, yeah. but... Who now? This is an original thing. Uh, uh, Doctor Tyson, the, the, the great astrophysicist, mm-hmm. says when he looks at the universe rather than seeing himself as small. He sees himself as big because I'm part of that big thing. That's what the star represents. Absolutely. The Big Bang, the creation of you. That's a whole long story. I thought but, the star was just you, huh? I am a star, but <laughs> the star is everybody. That's why I'm sitting on top of the world. We're all on top of the world. If you're breathing, living, and talking, we're all on top of the world. I mean, yeah. and I've been attractive for a long. Sorry, let me, let me, I'll give you. I'm gonna give you something. I'll give you something. Tom. I wish we had video. Oh, I, I know. Really, Where's I, the I, camera? I got a video, and I got uh, <laughs> like, I'm gonna give you something about about the stars in the universe. I'll give you something that this this is this is profound. Like the the sun is 93 million miles from Earth, right? It is. Yeah. Yes. Alpha Centauri daughter is 25 trillion miles from here. I'm gonna give you an idea how far that is. Light traveling at 186,000 miles per second. It takes eight minutes to get from the sun to Earth. Traveling at that same speed, it takes it four and a half years. To get the Alpha Centauri. Hmm. Only point I'm trying to get to is this: no matter where you are, listen to this broadcast. Uh, Fancy Ray is your closest star. <laughs> <laughs>
That's true. I am the best looking fact. man in comedy. Good Lord. That's just a fact. There's no question. <clears> so <throat> so, so you, you're a South, South Minneapolis guy. No, I grew up in North Minneapolis. Oh, you did? Yeah, well, yeah, how'd no. you end up going all those? Yeah, why were you in South? Because I was, I was in the Magnum program, so I went to Central oh, High School for the yeah, first year. Yeah, yeah, okay. And then uh, oh. I skipped around. I went you didn't to want to go to Minneapolis North? No, because the mag they didn't have a magnet program. You know, ah, that's do, right. Do you know mag, right. magnet program? You know what that magnet, is? yeah. Yeah, that's when you script from 8th grade. I went to 10th grade. And so I did it at Central, and then I went to the West, and I went to Marshall U. But the great thing, when I was young, I would go to events, and I knew people from all the high schools. Yeah? Yeah, so it was really cool. And the thing that happens even now, when folks come, especially when I was talking about my community, when folks come from Gary and Chicago and New Orleans, when they see me and they see this vibration, they see that real deal, they see that hustle, they feel that love, and they feel that connection. And so it's something that uh, touches people, and I touch folks, and it lifts folks up. I, yeah. I can understand that, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. where did you live in North Minneapolis? Right, I live right off uh, Fifth and Knox. Oh, you still it's, do? No, no, that's where I grew up. Oh, that's where Fifth you grew up. Fifth and Knox, yeah. which is uh, right by Olson Highway, between Glenwood Avenue. Avenue, mm-hmm. Right there, and it, it's a funny thing how this, how the because I watched as you have seen the city change. When I first grew up, that was a white neighborhood. We were one of the first black families over there. Now it's all black. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so mm-hmm. the whole area changed. And there was one time when all the shop owners were all Jewish people, yeah. and now they're all Arabs and, and whatever they are over there. <laughs> and uh, and it's, everything has changed, man. It's a and it's a beautiful thing. And so. Uh, I have connections with those people and those businesses over there still, and especially those grassroots places. I mean, those are my bread and butter, and that's why I make my money at man. But those folks, yeah. You know how I always tell people to see if they really know the North Side. Hmm. Where was Carl Eller Liquor Store? <laughs> Penn and Plymouth. Come on. Penn and Plymouth. Exactly right. Good Lord. That's exactly right. People who are not really from the North Side have no idea where Carl Eller Liquor Store is. Hell was. yeah, man. And Carl Eller. I mean, talk about. Have you had him on your show? Uh, we, you know, we haven't had him on. We probably should. He's, cool. he's, he's, he's a total, total. <laughs> Carl Eller. Just don't make him mad. He's one of the biggest men I've mm-hmm. ever seen. And a, and, and a giant. And, and I he is. I saw him at a golf yeah. tournament. He is yeah. huge. How long was that open, Carl Eller Liquor? Because Carl. Carl was there. And who took it over after Carl Eller? Do you know Randy Stanton. Oh, uh, man. I'm a North Side guy, man. <laughs> Randy Stanton. Uh, yeah. My favorite congressman, who is a friend of mine, who I love. I love both those gentlemen, man. And yeah. that's, see, that you, you know both of them, too? Uh, I don't know Randy Stanton, no. Okay, he'd be a good guy to have in there, too. i tell you the truth, man. He's a good talker. I think he thinks I'm a racist. Yeah, but that's a good reason to have him come in. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't even deny it. I love that. I, I don't know. I don't Fans know what he thinks about you, but I'm, I, that's denying. a good reason to have a conversation. Because well, that's probably you know, true. You, you know, conversation, that, that, that's what the whole thing with racism is, is ignorance, man. When you get to know people, there are people. I'm seeing a, a young lady. She's from Stockton, Illinois right now. And her family has a I've never had this problem because, you know, uh, every, I've never had no problems at all. But uh, they have problems because of the fact of my color. Her parents? She white? It was her grandparents. Her her parents have met me. And in fact, I wasn't invited over to Thanksgiving just because of this. Because of this. Because of the chocolate. Because of the chocolate. (laughs) Damn it. But but they invited me over and... And they got to know me, and we talked to me, and then I think to some level they got comfortable. And then you, something I do, you don't even know about this either, is actually it's not in my bio. I lead church service. Their mom came to hear me speak I at did church. Hear, I did hear about that. And you're right. It's not, it's not documented, but I did yeah. hear about that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So that's something that I do. And Where do you do that? At, oh, I'm going to do it this weekend at, uh, for Mother's Day at OSC. It's called Our Spiritual Center. It's located in the Banks Building, 11 a.m. on Sunday. Oh, yeah, right over there in northeast Minneapolis. Yeah, northeast Minneapolis, right by the White Castle. I guess that would be, yeah, that's still north Minneapolis because it's north of Hennepin. Yeah, yeah. 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 So I'm gonna go there, and, and and I'll be talking this weekend, and I'll be doing something for Mother's Day, and uh, you know, I'm over gonna... by the Red Stag. Yes, okay. over by the Otter. <clears throat> yep, it's right by the Red Stag. The, oh, you guys don't know the Banks Building? Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 I mean, Red Stag is northeast. 
Yeah, it's close. That's where it is. Yeah. It's real close. Yeah. yeah, it's not far from here at all, as a matter of fact. No, no. So I'm in the neighborhood, no matter where you are. You know, my, my two favorite <laughs> preachers of all time, first of all, one of them was Richard Pryor. <laughs> <laughs> the character that he played. <laughs> I love that, too. One of my favorite lines. He was the best. <laughs> one of my favorite lines of all time. And language bother you? No, no, say what you want to. This is your podcast. Well, I mean, but it's all Richard Pryor. You're you're talking in front of your daughter and your wife. That's on you, brother. He came out one time and said, (laughs) yeah, boy, I know Jesus. I told him one time. I told him, don't go down there fucking with them Jews without no money. (laughs) 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 He was fantastic. (laughs) I I like the routine he does where he's he's baptizing people. And he said, the bubbles came up. I thought it was the spirits coming out of people. (laughs) And you deaf and dumb people. We we don't need you deaf and dumb people here. Go learn how to walk. Dark, dark. He was dark, a, yeah, dark, pretty. Yeah. Dark. And does does Box Five Thousand Boston, Massachusetts, ring a bell? No, Reverend Ike. Oh man, <laughs> I'm gonna tell you a story. The first time, now you this, and I probably should have grown up together. The, 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 be, be, before I knew this was inside of me, you know, Little Richard's a friend of mine. Me, he, I work with him. I concert. love Little Richard. Oh man, yeah, love he, Little Richard. My inspiration, my friend, my hero. When he and I first sat down and had a conversation, he says to me, "You remind me of the Reverend Ike." Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Yeah, I could see and, that. And 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 and, and, you, you, and and you all don't even know who Reverend Ike is. Sorry, flamboyant, over the top preacher who crossed over, who practices the same. What I teach and what I practice is called positive spirituality. And mm-hmm. Reverend Ike was doing a thing, the mm-hmm. same, the same exact thing. You've heard of the secret. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's the same thing in the secret. You know, as a man believes in his heart, so is he. And be ye transformed by renewing your mind. You are who you think you are. And if you don't like your condition and place in life, you can change your thinking and change your life. You have power in your thoughts. You are powerful. Don't get me preaching up. Here, man. I'm going to reach something up in here. Up. I'm going to let something powerful happen. I want to touch the girl from England right over there. I want you to... Put, hold on, hold on, oh, hold on. Oh, man. Before I start oh, preaching... Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I love it. I, I, if you love the Lord, pull your money out of your pocket and show me how much you love the Lord. Yeah, here it is. Here it is. That's it is. the Catholics. Reverend Ike <laughs> had, had a speech, Catherine, and Alex and Andy. and Tony, you know Reverend Ike, don't you? Oh, yeah. He said... There's a place for money in this world. Many people say that money has no place in this world, but I know it does because I, I have spoken to Jesus. I have spoken to God personally. And there is a place for money in this world, and it's right here in my pocket. <laughs> Absolutely. I agree By 5,000 Boston, Massachusetts, send your checks today. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. oh, I mean, that Reverend Ike was phenomenal. And, and he was someone that... that there's no one like him today because no. he was on the Merv Griffith show and, yep. and was yep. he a te- televangel? No, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. But, but he never got that big on TV. Yes and no. He was yeah because like yeah he was big in some of the bigger cities, some of the bigger yeah, markets. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. And and he was very inspirational. But it was all a lot of money based, and so back at this time, uh, he, he his claim to fame was he wore these at that time two thousand dollars suits back in the seventies, yeah, and he yeah. never wore the same one twice. And he had a string of Rolls Royces, so <laughs> he lived very, very flamboyantly. And uh, I'm trying to think of some of his most famous quotes. Uh, oh, he had a lot, a lot Andy? of just really, 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 really. Yeah, bring him up, bring him up, Andy. We got to bring. <laughs> I want to hear Andy deliver Reverend Ike's famous quotes. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah Andy. I love my son, but he is. Very white. He's very white. <laughs> I, I, my son and Trayvon is—he's uh, very white too. Actually, it turns out. I, I try to give him some flavor, but good God, you know it is what it is. It is what it is. It is what it is. What time do you uh, do you preach on Sunday at Banks? I, 
no, no, wait, 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 wait. I don't okay. preach. I'm, I'm service assistant. Oh, service assistant. Okay. I, I start right. the service. Hey, sorry about that. I do a reading. I do one of my fantastic poems. I want, I want to do an inspirational poem if I could. And then, in, in, in addition to that, I. Uh, I introduce the band. I'll do some jokes. And something that, that really pushes me, because I write clean comedy for the uh, for the church service, and it's been really fantastic with that. How, can, I, can I do a quick poem? Absolutely. Hey, do whatever well, you want to do. You're fancy right. I'm fancy right. I, I, I want to <laughs> do... No, I wanna is this do, your original? Oh, absolutely. Everything right. I do is original, baby. Um, okay. he, goes one, he goes one I want to share. Uh, I got a million of them. One's about love. And one is life is so. I'm gonna do that one. Life is so easy for me. All right. And um, and I want to dedicate this 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 one because nowadays we have all the fun up here. But a lot of times people have challenges. And I heard someone say a sentence one day. They said life is so easy for me. I said I like that. Mm-hmm. I want to make a poem with that. Let me see what I can do with that. So this is for all the listeners. And uh, and if you're going through something, you, you grab a hold of this right here because uh, this is some fancy ray. Life is so easy. Mm. For me, I do what I want. When I'm finished, I'm through. I whistle while I work as I do what I do. Life is a breeze. Life is fun. Life is so easy when you're connected with the one. Not too serious. It's not too sad. There's a smile on my face because today's the best day I ever, 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 ever had. I'm no Pollyanna, no Pistol Pete. life is life. And for me, life is so sweet. I'm not blown by the winds of the Windy City or trying to take a bite out of the Big Apple. Life is love, and this love will never leave me crying at the chapel. It ain't by the time I get to Phoenix or some heart song by Tony Bennett. Today is the day which the Lord hath made, and I'm going to be glad and rejoice in it. Life is so easy for me. Like a Shakespearean actor stepping on a stage or a librarian with a book who's turning another page or a USC fighter stepping into a cage. Life is a waterfall. It's a water sprout. Every morning the sun rises and every night the moon comes out. Like the waves on the ocean and the leaves on a tree. Life is so easy. And I just love being me. <laughs> yeah. My, my, my. I got to be honest with, uh, with the listening audience. Uh, again, I wish we had video, but at uh, one point, Fancy Ray jumped up and I thought he was going to go, wow, ba, 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 ba. Richard is the man. Oh, man. Have you he, met Richard? You a player? I have never met little Richard. You play at a class of rock. Do you go back that far? No. Uh, we, we used to once in a while. Once in a while, you will hear it, but it's, good. it's very, very rare. Oh. But I, I you know. One of my favorite Little Richard stories is when he was on The Tonight Show, and Don Rickles was on the same show. And I will never forget that as long as I live, because Little Richard, and he was a, Little Richard's a very, very smart man. Yeah. But he likes to come off once in a while like he's disconnected, and he doesn't really understand what's going on. And Don Rickles comes on, and Little Richard goes, my favorite comedian of all time, Don Rinkle. <laughs> Don, Don Wrinkle? It's Rickles. It's Rickles, all right? It's Don Wrinkle. My favorite. Don Wrinkle. But Little Richard uh, inspired singers and actors and wrestlers. Yeah. And I mean, he inspired so many different people. 
Right, correct. Oh, uh, you know, when when I first got into this showbiz game, I was doing my research on Little Richard, and it, and Richard would say, "Oh, the Beatles started with me. Uh, the, the James yeah. Brown was my vocalist. Otis Redding started with me. Mick Jagger was my, and then Billy Preston's, and they go, oh hell, and Michael Jackson's me, and Prince is me, and you go, yeah, man, this guy is like, what's true? And then you look to the research, it's true. Michael Jackson was was part Little Richard. Remember him at the Grammy? He said, I am the architect of rock and roll. Uh (laughs) Oh, and and he is. He just, just, just uh, incredible power and influence. And perhaps the greatest rock and roll vocalist of all time, that he can do so many things with his voice. And if you got, I don't know if you can choose the music, but I'd love for you to play a real Richard song for me over there, here real soon on your radio show in the morning. Let the folks hear that vibration and the power of the king, the architect, the man that created all of it, Little Richard, and my friend, too. Well, I will tell you this, music from that era, and we're talking the 50s into the 60s and, you know, and beyond that, but you're talking about people like Little Richard, and Fats Domino and oh. uh, just tremendous, tremendous music. I got one for you that you this is from the seventies. Lil Richard remade the Beatles song. The Beatles did a tribute to him called I, I Saw Her Standing There. Mm-hmm. Lil Richard did his own version of that. Right. If y'all don't know if you heard that, but that's a fantastic. Have, yeah. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. Yeah, man. Paul McCartney has said before that, that when they opened for Little Richard many, many years ago, yep. like nineteen sixty one or two. He took him on tour, yep. He took him to Germany the first he time. Did. Yep. He did indeed. They said they were terrified to play in front of Little Richard. Mm-hmm. It's I think it's just wonderful that the Beatles you look at them now, they, they, you know, this massively huge group, and they were just terrified to sing in front of Little Richard because he was such a great, he is such a great star. And you can Google this. There's a picture of Little Richard sitting, Google Little Richard and the Beatles. There's a picture of him sitting there, and they never met a famous person. Paul grabbed my finger, Ringo grabbed my finger, everybody had a finger, and they want to learn my little holler. Woo! And I said, woo! He said, woo! Paul was going, woo! Woo! I saw woo! I said, oh, baby, you got it. You know, just, uh, Nothing. When I would go out to California, he would come pick me up, and I, I got a thing on my answer machine. You can't play it right now, but he he he's just been a friend, a supporter. Um, you can't play it right now, huh? You don't want us to play it. My thing. Yeah. It's, it's on my phone. Well, can Andy can put it up to the microphone, play it really? if you want to hear. Well, I mean, oh, you can just put it up to your uh, microphone. Uh, you, oh, I've never played this before. You know what I did one day last time I was, with, I saw Richard. I asked him to make me an outgoing oh, yeah, answer machine, and, uh, <laughs> and he recorded a personal message to me. Page. Oh, little Richard did. Yeah. God, just, how uh, great is that? How'd you That's meet him? How'd you get to know? Oh, you want to hear a great story? I do. <laughs> We're here for your great story. Why not? He was performing at Grand <laughs> Casino. <laughs> In Hinkley, Minnesota, and I had to go to the event. And as soon as I get there, I realize instantaneously that Little Richard and I are the two most beautiful people in the whole place. Sure, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Can't even and, deny that. And, and so he does this great concert. He's singing Good Golly, Miss Molly, and Long Toss Sally, all these wonderful old hits. And at the end of the show, he starts singing, It's time to go. I gotta go. Woo. So I'm in front of the stage. And right in front of Little Richard, I mean, like right, th- I mean, right in front of him, I start impersonating him. I start going, <laughs> Fancy Ray is dancing right now, ladies and gentlemen. Dancing Ray. He looks at me and goes, Come up here, come up here. I'm walking on stage, and I'm going to meet the architect, the man that created rock and roll. Yeah, absolutely. I get on stage. Did you pee a little? And, 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 and little Richard starts smiling at me. Uh oh. And the song Tutti Fruity started going through my brain. Oh, he did just let the slide. You, you, you don't know what Tutti Fruity is about, do you? Sure. Oh, I love Tutti You don't know what the original version was like. See, a lot of you are like, Tutti Fruity, old Rudy, Tutti Fruity, old Rudy. The original lyrics oh, went Pat like Boone this. Oh, changed that. No, the original lyrics went like this. It was this original lyrics. True. It said, Tutti Fruity, good booty. 
tutti fruity, goat booty. If it don't fit, don't force it. You can grease it, make it easy. A wop, bobbly bop, a lot, bam, boom. <laughs> I actually remember hearing that, yeah. That's absolutely oh, true. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Everything I'm saying is true, man. Well, that's, that's, yeah, that's, <laughs> why did I even deny it? I didn't deny it. I just, why should have just known up front? It was true. never lied yeah, to you before. Yeah. Don't care how many times the Yankees have totally destroyed the Twins. They're gonna, they're gonna pull it together on this episode of the Best of the Tom Bernard Podcast, brought to you as always by Bradshaw and Bryant. Great clips this week from Rudy Lee, Vince Wilburn Jr., and Fancy Ray McCloney. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we will see you next week. Ooh.